Okay. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on A Dad and His PC, and welcome to essentially episode zero, the pilot, the one of probably many episode zeros as I try to figure out how I'm going to make this work. Um, for those of y'all that didn't listen to the trailer, uh, my name is Trey Davis, and I've been gaming for about 30 years, and as it says, I'm now a dad, and gaming is getting a little bit harder. You know, there's not enough time to be able to play for hours upon hours upon hours like I used to. Uh, so when I do get the chance to play or when I do get the chance to listen to any kind of gaming media, I kind of want this stuff to get to the point. I kind of want to just have fun. I don't want to deal with any of the slogs or any of the whole get good uh, culture of these things. So I wanted to make a podcast for that kind of player. And... While it may relate to uh, the professional, the person that wants to do this hardcore and be the best version of some kind of gamer or streamer, uh, at the end of the day, I just want to have fun. So I wanted to make a podcast for people like me. And, you know, like I said, for 30 years, I've been playing video games and enjoying my time as as my major hobby, my major way of, of killing time and and of having fun outside of spending time with my family. And so um, we're talking MS-DOS, putting in those commands and putting in a floppy disk and waiting forever to boot up Commander Keen or playing Mech Warrior. Um, one of the first things I remember getting for Christmas was a Nintendo, an NES, old school, insert the cartridge NES and basically going to the rental place every weekend to play new games. And as I got older, uh, that passion just kind of grew. We're talking sitting down and playing TIE Fighter on an HP PC. Like we're, ta- we're talking before pre-built or, or uh, custom-built computers specifically for gaming were even a thing. You had to go to a Babbage's or a Best Buy and you bought a computer that was already there because the computer was for work. It just happened to play video games. And, you know, bringing that thing home and playing a game like TIE Fighter and sitting down on a Saturday morning and skipping breakfast and forgetting that lunch happened and seven hours later you've beaten this game. And that passion is still here, but as I got older and as I have matured, and gotten uh, real life and adult responsibilities. Unfortunately, the seven to ten hour play sessions just can't happen anymore. And so, uh, as far as today's show is concerned, the theme of today is something old and something new. So let's go ahead and jump right into topic one. Now, the idea for this topic came to me as I was trying to find something to play over the summer because I'd kind of gotten into a funk. A lot of games now are requiring a significant time crunch. I mean, even something as simple as Warzone or Apex, where the the goal of the game is simply log in, play with your buddies, try to kill, and, and be the last team standing. If you don't play those games for long periods of time, especially as you get older, it becomes really difficult to maintain the same level of quality shooting and reaction time and all of that stuff. So games that require all of this time crunch, I just 
didn't feel like playing. And I just reverted back to what was the game that gave me the most turn your brain off and have fun for a couple hours. Not have to worry about competing or trying to win something like a Fall Guys. Not to be something that isn't at least interactive like an idle game like Idle Champions. That brought me back to one of my favorite series of all time. And that is the Warriors series. The you know Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors, and Warriors Orochi from Omega Force and Koei Tecmo. Uh, it's essentially now a crowd combat fighting game, but basically 25 years ago, Koei Tecmo and Omega Force released Dynasty Warriors for the PlayStation, and that was a weapon-based fighting game. You know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat had kind of set the tone for hand-to-hand combat and gore, and weapon-based combat games were starting to come out. So you have your Samurai Showdown, you have your Soul Calibur... Omega Force brought their own to the foray, and that was Dynasty Warriors. You played as characters from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. You fought one-on-one against other opponents, the computer, or your buddies. Well, fast forward four years, and in 2001, for the PlayStation 2, one of the release titles is something called Dynasty Warriors 2. And that confused a few people, because when people booted up Dynasty Warriors 2 here in America, you are now playing a giant crowd-fighting combat game. It's a You could call it an adventure game, you could call it an action game, but it's essentially crowd combat. You, as the hero, as whatever uh, chosen character you want from Chinese history of the, during the Three Kingdoms period, fight against thousands of enemies, and it's your job to uh, complete the objectives and move from point to point. By, try to rack up as many kills or knockouts as you can before the, the round ends or before you finish the final boss. I can't even begin to tell you how many hours I basically sank into this game in 2001, freshman year of high school, me trying to find things to do. And it was one of the first games my parents actually bought for me because there's no blood. It's a very simple, basic game. So my parents thought it was it was fine. This and Madden uh, basically consumed my summer that year. As we move 22 years into the future, you know, several million copies later, you have what is now Dynasty Warriors 9, and you have Samurai Warriors 5, and you have these titles that, for 22 years, for the most part, haven't changed. And they have this very successful format. It's you versus these giant armies. Here are these huge superhero moments. You have all these special powers. You have all these special abilities, and you you basically get to be a one-man army. It's kind of the little teenage boy's fantasy of, of you are the one-man lone hero, and you are the one that can save the day. Now, over the years, there have still been issues with a game as simple as this, but for the most part, several million copies later, obviously, they have a formula that works. And that was, unfortunately, until Dynasty Warriors 9. You see, when I was trying to find that game to play, I booted up Dynasty Warriors 8. I didn't boot up Dynasty Warriors 9. That is because as the years moved on, they kept trying to add new thing after new thing after new thing. And the coolest thing to have in a game at that point when Dynasty Warriors 9 came out was open world. Everyone wants an open world. Everyone wants to be able to do whatever they want whenever they want. But that's not what made these games successful. The fans and critics and and, and reviewers all told and uh, the same story, which is that this game's trash now. Dynasty Warriors 9 is borderline unplayable, but Dynasty Warriors 8, 7, I'd argue that 7 is probably the best. Some people might say 4 or 5, but I think 7 is probably the most complete version of what they wanted ever without too many bells and whistles. 
uh, is still a blast to play. I, I sank hours this summer into essentially trying to just see how many kills I could get in one hour or in two hours of gameplay. And once you turn it off, there's no you know need or if you stop playing for a week, it, you don't magically forget how to how to mash the X button four times or five times and then hit something else for a new new combo or to jump through something. It's literally that simple. What I thought was weird is that when they jumped to nine going for that open world, what was the point? Like, what were they really trying to do? Or what was the actual idea that said, no, we, we have this title that has sold well over 21 million copies. What we should do is now completely alter what we do best and, and try to do this other thing that just seems unfeasible. And you got to understand, there are, there are massive numbers of spinoffs of this game from the Warrior series. I mean, I mentioned Samurai Warriors, which is a blast. Samurai Warriors 5 is, is something that I'll still play now. It's a total blast to play on, on Steam right now. But they have uh, Hyrule Warriors. You can play Legend of, <laughs> Legend of Zelda characters in the same concept. They have uh, adapted manga, a Berserk One Piece, and, and just created these incredibly fun experiences for fans of those series. I just for, for the life of me, I've never understood uh, why they just decided to go. They've, they've given their, their reasons, they've given their excuses, but at the end of the day, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You can kind of see that where there's that branch off with Warriors Orochi, which is another version of this game. It takes characters from Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors, uh, characters from Chinese and Japanese history, brings them together through magical means, and they fight demons now instead of each other. But the thing about Samurai Warriors and Warriors Orochi, why they keep getting high marks and high reviews and great fan reviews, is because they didn't change the formula. They stuck with what they did best. And what they do best is, I want to be a superhero. I want to be able to play for two hours, shut my brain off, basically rack up as many points as possible. It's, it's, uh, if I had to really describe it, it's an, it's an arcade game again. You know, there, there aren't a lot of arcade towers anymore. You can buy a retro tower, but what I mean is there there aren't a lot of going to the arcade anymore. And just being able to have fun when you're playing something for an hour or two, that's just mindless, stupid fun. These games kind of bring that back. I understand that they're not the most complex games. You can, you can play something else that will be much deeper, that will provide you with a, a sense of awe and wonder. But that's not for some that's not necessarily something you want to do all the time. Most people want to play games that, that are fun and are simple and can provide you with an hour or two of forgetting that the world is is what it is. And instead, I can try to max out as many combos as I can. I can try and see if I can make an NPC fly across the map with some kind of crowd-clearing move. I want to see if I can have these cool moments and, and figure out new ways to defeat these bad guys or these new bosses that I'm fighting. Uh, maybe this time I will only do jump attacks. Maybe this time I will only use a horse. And that's what's the amazing thing about this series. It, the, again, the numbers speak for itself. You're looking at between all of the series, well over 30 million copies sold. And every year a new title coming out. Or every other year or within that, some new title is coming out within their formula. And you can't really mess with success. That's what I love most about these games. It, it's It's... Really interesting, and you know, to end on this, the what's great about this is that I would have never thought growing up where I did to 
learn about this interesting part in Chinese and Japanese history because you don't learn these things, unfortunately, in uh, American schools, or at least where I'm at, where I did. It's created this love of history on top of of just the fun love. I didn't realize these were real people until much later in life. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm four or five games into the series, and you realize that Liu Bei is a real person. Uh, that Guan Yu is called the God of War, and that all these characters within Samurai Warriors, they're, they're real people, and they have real stories and real histories. And once you learn those things, it kind of makes this extra connection that I've always found enjoyable on top of the very simple, very amazing gameplay. When it comes to you know finding something to do where I don't have to put in a three-hour time sink or I don't have to constantly play to maintain my ability or to maintain your ability to have fun with it, nothing is better, in my opinion, than the Warriors franchise. I, I can't speak highly enough of this game. I will be playing them when they're on Dynasty Warriors 20 and I'm 50 years old. I will be playing at Samurai Warriors 57, whatever. I'm going to keep playing these when every new iteration comes out. Hopefully, uh, Dynasty Warriors 10 learns from their uh, Dynasty Warrior 9's ability to be free on Steam. That's how bad it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's free on Steam. That uh, You should probably go back to uh, the horse that brought you to the party and go back to crowdfighting. No open world. Let's have the missions and let's get to be a superhero about five minutes, 15 minutes per level, and have a blast while we do it. So moving on uh, from something old, let's move on to something now or something new. See what's coming out and what's come out and what's what's new in the world of gaming. Okay, so why buy the new F1? or Cuphead, or the Klonoa reboot, or maybe even Return to Xenoblade or the Digimon game that came out, when you can instead play Stray Cat Simulator 2022. Uh, Stray was released July 19th on PCs, and of course, like any game released in the last, I don't know, 15 years, the future is a dystopian nightmare. You play in this dystopian world, it's slightly in the future, you play as a stray cat in this adventure, and it's a fantastic platformer. I can't emphasize this enough. This is a game that has as good, if not better, platforming than most major release titles. Um, it has all the charm and all the fun that you can ever imagine as you play real-life Jack and Daxter. Except, you know, we're dealing with not animated characters. We're dealing with legitimate Stray Cat and, of course, your AI companion. With school wrapping up, you know, the limited time I've had to play this, of course... It has been an absolute blast. It might be the most charming game of the year and the potential to be game of the year simply because it is everyone on the internet's favorite thing, which is I get to be a cat. Um, once you add in the sci-fi elements and, of course, the drone companion, you have something that will basically entertain anyone between the ages of, I don't know, maybe 12 to 50. So um, those of you all that get a chance, you have to pick this up if you are able to play this game. If you like anything involving platformers, you have to pick up this game. It's got an exceptional story. It has uh, a great setting, and the gameplay is top-notch, which, again, there are billion-dollar franchises that, that don't have platforming this good. Second, this came out on June 16th, and for those of you that love real-time strategy games, especially on the PC, uh, Starship Troopers Terran Command 
has been quite possibly the most fun I've had playing an RTS since Warhammer 40k Dawn of War 2. The Aristocrats small indie development team has created a 19 mission, in-depth, incredibly immersive world. We're talking specialized units, tactical style gameplay. Again, this is uh, Warhammer 40k. It's Dawn of War 2, but set in the Starship Troopers universe. And that's what makes this fantastic because... Uh, most licensed games are god awful, and there's really I don't I really don't never understand why. But this is inspired by the movie, so you kind of see the the visuals of the movie more than anything else. But the writing is what's great about it. The writing has all of the satire, all of the humor um, that is in the book, and so it is essentially. Let's do the movie, but now let's give it more of the book, more of of kind of the messaging of the book as opposed to a big action adventure game. Again, the one weird thing about it that I found was that the difficulty kind of just ramps up. So it, it doesn't happen gradually like most modern RTSs where... You know, you get to the first third. It's it's about holding your hand and getting you to the mission. And the middle third will be about okay, you learn these skills now. Let's advance on them. Let's get the, get it further. And then, of course, by the back third or back fourth of the game, you're now like okay, you should know how to do all of these things, and you should be able to handle all that we're about to throw at you, and you should be doing your best to win. Now, whereas in this game, it is fairly simple. I'd, I'd probably go seven, eight missions in. You should have no problem, even if you've never played an RTS before, uh, being able to march through the missions. And then out of nowhere, um, it just decides, now we're on ultra hard mode. We have gone to all Madden. We are no longer in rookie. And there's no in-between. So if I had to knock it a little bit, there is that learning curve. You need to be paying attention to the early missions and figuring out how you're going to transcend whatever difficulty ramp up is coming but again, it's the closest thing I've had to Dawn of War 2, which again, I love that game. If you are a fan of those top-down, less resource-committed RTSs and more objective-based gameplay, uh, you're going to love this on the PC. Uh, last but not least, as far as the new stuff coming out this around this time, August 23rd, so right around the corner, uh, the Saints Row reboot i guess that's the best way to put it is that it is a reboot according to the publishers where rather than a straight sequel um as far as first impressions from everything i've seen because i haven't been able to play any demos or any of the alpha beta builds it looks like it's got as far as the cartoony realism of the original first three titles we don't talk about the fourth title we try to ignore the fourth title uh so it is the more cartoony uh, GTA, it's the more fun and over-the-top GTA. It's more arcadey. That so that's great. We do have that back. Um, it looks gorgeous. It is uh, a beautiful game. And unfortunately, though, that's about where my positivity, unbridled positivity, ends, and my worry begins. Okay, so I'm worried in a way that it's based on what I've seen. Because again, I haven't played that it's another Cyberpunk 2077 at release, meaning that there are going to be janky, rushed things. It's not going to be a finished, polished game. Um, everything from the beta and preview videos that I've seen 
it seems stiff, uh, including the combat. It doesn't look like the most smooth fighting game or, or shooting game, aiming game. The, the new lock-on system does look tedious. That's a problem. The whole point of this is is to, again, have a blast while you're playing it. It's, a, again, a more cartoony version of GTA. The driving looks atrocious. I genuinely don't know how the driving is that bad in a major release when it's this close to deadline. It looks like you're just floating. It, it doesn't look it, more like you're on a rail, kind of like uh, the most recent Final Fantasy where the car just kind of goes to a point. It doesn't look like you're actually driving or controlling it. And there's way too many games right now that are have phenomenal driving to be that bad. The characters do have the personality that we're used to, but there does seem to be a massive gap in the smoothness of gameplay from previous titles, excluding, again, 4, because, again, we don't talk about 4. I hope this game is great. I want to jump back into this universe. Uh, I think it would be horrible if this one isn't phenomenal, isn't great when it's released, because we've waited, those of us that are fans of the Saints Row franchise, forever for this to happen and to finally have something that looks this great is ready to go and for there to be the potential of a of a cyberpunk release where it's just so janky it it's not fun and we're waiting for patches which is again that's another issue i have with modern gaming where it's just you don't get a finished game you get a game about 90 percent done and you should just be happy that they are willing to give you a patch and uh, a month or two after its release. And again, I, I don't want that from something that, that's supposed to be a massive release title. So as far as what's new, that's the most recent stuff that I'm most interested in. If you have anything that you would like me to look up or me to, me to play and give kind of a response or review, be sure to leave something in the comments or on the reviews on iTunes or Spotify. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our eSports Minute and kind of see what's going on in the coming weeks. CSGO being the eSports juggernaut that it is, the World Finals and some of the pro leagues are starting to come to an end and get their final qualifiers in so that we can start seeing some world champions here. And with the Blast Premier World Final right around the corner, the ESL Pro League is ending their 16th season with the winner of this final competition qualifying for the Blast Premier World Final. Now, between August 31st and October 2nd is this final competition of the season. Uh, the final competition will be offline. So if you're able to go see it, great. Unfortunately, right now, we don't know where it's going to be held. It is still to be announced even though it starts in roughly two and a half weeks. So if you are able to figure out where this is after this recording and you're able to go enjoy the show, please do. 24 of the best teams in the world will be competing in this competition, and it is your standard format. So for uh, single round-robin format groups, each group has will have six teams. All teams will play each other once, and all matches are going to be best of three. Whoever finishes first place from each group will advance automatically to the quarterfinals. Uh, the second and third place teams will advance to the round of 12, and that's where the single elimination bracket begins. So before the grand final, everything is going to be best of three. 
So standard rules as apply with the grand final, the final match, and the winner qualifying for the Worlds uh, being best of five. The winner will take home $175,000 and, of course, qualify for the World Final. And second place taking in $70,000, 3rd and 4th getting $35,000. you are going to see great teams if you're able to go. You'll see FaZe. Uh, you'll see Big, Navi, Liquid, Cloud9. And even though uh, Navi and FaZe have already qualified for the Blast Premier Tournament, uh, there's no reason why they won't want to win this and take that prize money as well. What's exciting about this is that with the Blast Premier World Final at the end of the year coming up, uh, we do have a good idea of what the group stage and the playoffs are going to be. Group stages, according to Liquipedia, uh, we're going to see two double elimination format groups. So there will be eight teams competing in the world final, and each group will have four teams, and all matches are going to be best of three. Uh, the top three teams from each group will then advance to a single elimination playoff bracket, with the stage winners going straight to the semifinals and the second and third place teams going to the quarterfinals with the higher two seed playing the lower three seed based on however they're going to measure that. Uh, all matches for the playoffs are going to be best of three, and with the winner of that, of course, being the Premier World Champion and taking home $500,000. Now, the World Championships are going to take place in Abu Dhabi at the Etihad Arena. So we do know it's offline, so we're not going to be able to necessarily, um, at least as of now, that could change. But we do know that it, the finals in the championship will be taking place in Abu Dhabi. So if you can afford the plane ticket to get out there and watch, please go ahead. That'd be pretty awesome, I think. Last but not least, the Global StarCraft II League Season 3 Code S competition is taking place in South Korea. It is a dual tournament format with all matches being best of three in the first group stage. The top two players from each group will advance to that group stage. And we are looking at a wonderful prize pool of $123,000. 20 competitors are playing in this 1v1 format. Uh, once they advance from group stage one, there's group stage two. And now we're in the round robin format. All, again, all matches will be best of three. Once we've advanced past the group stages in the round of six, players in second place play each other and the winner advances to the playoffs, players in third place play each other, and the loser is completely eliminated. Single elimination once we get to the playoffs bracket. Semifinal matches are best of five, with the finals being best of seven. That's your esports update for the coming months. Uh, there are a bunch more tournaments coming in September, and as we get closer to them, I'll be sure to discuss what we're seeing, and hopefully there's more information available as we get closer to those dates. And that's the end of the show. So... Uh, being able to rant about one of my favorite video game franchises of all time has been a blast, even if it might have been a little convoluted with the Dynasty Warriors game. And then to basically segue into talking about uh, Stray Cat Platformer was not how I envisioned this in my head when I was first coming up with the concept. But that's the beauty of video games, right? You never know what's going to happen until you hit the start button. It doesn't matter what review or... Or what you've seen until you get to experience it. You really don't know. I know it seems like I was all over the place. And I'll be honest, it's because I was. I'm trying to build this plane as I fly it. Every week I hope to be 1% less worse. And provide the best possible content for those of y'all that find this show and choose to listen. Uh, those of y'all that are here listening, thank you. And I hope you'll be back next week when I talk about No Man's Sky and how it's gone from the most under-delivered game in history to full-on redemption.
thanks to a development team that has done everything humanly possible and to basically provide what they originally promised six years ago. And from personal experience, this is, again, another one of those games that I can't get enough of, especially now. And I've played from the beginning uh, when there was nothing to it. And, and then as the free LCs have started to be developed and then to now where we are well into a massively immersive game. So, again, I hope this wasn't too bad. And if it was, I'm sure the reviews will be happy to tell me so. So be sure to subscribe and review or don't. I'm, I'm not the cops. It'd just be nice if you did. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed episode zero.